It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. You are listening to Calvary Live. This is the radio show where you call in with your questions about the Bible, your questions about God, uh, questions about Jesus, or uh, maybe you have a question about a a cult that you've heard about, or maybe a a strange teaching that someone shared with you and you're not quite sure if it's biblical or not. I would love to answer any questions that you may have today. Also, a great place to call in for prayer requests. If you've got anything going on in your life that you'd like some prayer for. I would love to chat with you and to pray for you today. Uh, you can call us at 303-690-3000 or you can text 720-336-0897. Once again, you can call 303-690-3000 or you can text 720-336-0897. Uh, and once again, any calls that you questions you may have about the Bible or Jesus or God or how Jesus is God, uh, anything like that, would love to talk with you about that today. Once again, you can call 303-690-3000 or you can text 720-336-0897. Uh, would love to talk with you today. And uh, my name is Nate Morris. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Vale Valley up in the beautiful mountains of Colorado. And uh, if you're ever up this way, maybe you come up on a ski vacation or a mountain bike trip, trip, would love to have you come join us for service sometime. We have two Sunday morning services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. And we also have a Sunday evening service uh, that for the summer is actually meeting outside at a local amphitheater in the Riverwalk area here in Edwards, Colorado. Going to be a great, great time. So you can find more information about that on our website at ccvv.org. That's Calvary Chapel Vale Valley. So ccvv.org. Uh, would love to have you come visit us sometime. And, you know, we're broadcasting live today uh, in the Denver area, up and down the front range of Colorado, ranging from Cheyenne, Wyoming, down through Colorado Springs on Grace FM. And we're also broadcasting on the East Coast in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Maryland. Always love it when we get our uh, East Coast listeners calling in with questions. It's a, a huge blessing to chat with you guys. And I uh, would love to have you call us today. So at our church at Calvary Vale this past Sunday, we were talking about joy and what joy is and what it means and uh, how we have joy in the Lord. And, you know, sometimes I think as Christians, we can take ourselves a little bit too seriously. We get uh, too serious about our lives. We get too serious about our situations. And the reality is, is that God wants us to be in a place of joy and walking in joy in the Lord. And so, um, you know, we talked a little bit about Nehemiah. And in the book of Nehemiah, you know, Nehemiah came and he he built this wall around Jerusalem. And uh, there's this point where they, they came out and brought out the law and taught the people the law. And they hadn't heard it in generations. And as they're there, the people are hearing the law and they're weeping over it because they're realizing that they're sinners, that they've broken the law against the Lord and they stand condemned and they're just, they're they're mourning over the situation. And I love in Nehemiah chapter eight, starting in verse nine, it says this, 
And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions, and to rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. And see, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're actually commanded to take joy in the Lord. It's a command that's given us. We have a commandment from the Lord to rejoice in God. And even when when we have you know, hard situations going on in our life, we can find that joy of the Lord in the midst of it as we make that choice to give God thanks for the good things that he's doing in and through even those situations that we're facing that are hard. So uh, as you go today, I, I just encourage you to walk in that joy of the Lord. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Once again, you're listening to Calvary Live. You can call us with your questions today at 303-690-3000, or you can text your questions in to 720-336-0897. Once again, you can call 303-690-3000 or text 720-336-0897. We've got three open lines right now. Nobody's on the line. So if you've been uh, having that question that's just kind of been burning in your mind, maybe you've tried to call in before and haven't gotten through, now is a great time to call. At the beginning of the show is always a great time to call in with those questions. Once again, 303-690-3000. Now take a quick look at the text lines here. Uh, let's see. We've got a few texts that are sitting here. Um, here's one that came in just now. It says, as somebody who loves Jesus has been born again, but continually walks in a manner that fails and falls short. How does that work? And why does that happen? So, um, this person that texted in is talking about, you know, being a believer, belonging to the Lord, but being in that spot of still messing up constantly. And here's the reality. As Christians, we are forgiven, we're, we're cleansed, we're set free, but we do still fall into things. We still do still trip over things. We still sin. You know, it says in John, he who says he has no sin is a liar, which means essentially you're a sinner. And so, uh, of course, we will still battle our flesh throughout this life, um, but there is great freedom from your sin. And so, if this is you, I, I would imagine that you probably are identifying with the person that Paul the Apostle describes in Romans chapter 7. And so whoever texted this in, I'd encourage you to start with reading Romans chapter 7. Um, and, and I don't want you to stop there, but I want you to start there. So Paul is there and he says in verse 15, for what am I doing? I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. And so there's this idea that Paul is saying, man, I, I'm not doing the things that I want to do when I'm in this position of being under the law, trying to, to live for the Lord as unto the law. 
I'm unable to do it. I find myself a slave to my sin. And so the thing that I hate is what I end up doing. And, and I keep going back to that. And many Christians can identify with that state. And Paul the, uh, the Apostle is writing this from the perspective of saying, hey, this is a very real place that we get sometimes where we're trying to please God on our own strength. And what happens when we do that is we are sold under slavery to sin and we just keep falling back into it because we're not walking in the power of the Lord. But it doesn't stop there, thankfully. Praise the Lord, it doesn't stop at Romans 7. Romans 7 is a prequel to Romans chapter 8. And as you get into Romans chapter 8, in verse 1, it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so, you know, we get to that place where it's like, man, I just can't seem to live for the Lord. I just can't seem to stop doing this sin. I just can't seem to break away from this thing. That's a very real place that Christians get to. But we have the opportunity to move past Romans 7 into Romans 8, where there's no condemnation, and we're given that freedom that the law can't free us, we can't free ourselves, but Jesus bought our freedom, not only positionally, but practically in this life. It doesn't mean you'll never sin, but it means that you're free from the power of sin over your life. We see that in, in, in verse 12 and 13 there of Romans 8, especially in the New Living Translation. I love that it says, for you have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. If you keep following it, you will have death. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll have life and peace. So for this person that texted in, I understand that place. I've been there myself. But the reality is that Jesus' death on the cross bought your freedom from that place. And I want you to know that he broke those chains that you feel binding to you. That They were broken 2,000 years ago on the cross. All you have to do is reach out and grab that freedom that he's given you. Doesn't mean you'll never mess up doesn't mean you'll never sin, but your slavery to that sin is done. It's finished. It's gone. And I hope that's encouraging you to you today. If that's you, man, I'd encourage you to reach out to a pastor that you know uh, and talk to them and just kind of talk with them a little bit about that and about that freedom that comes through the Lord. Once again, you're listening to Calvary Live, and uh, we've got some full lines now, so we're going to go here to those. But before we do, I just want to remind you, you can call us at 303-690-3000 or text 720-336-0897. So I'd like to go to Marla from Greeley on line one. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Great. Um, I have a question. Sure. When you're praying, you know how you should pray and be in the will of God. How do you how do you know what His will is? Is it multiple wills? Is it one will? Is it a will pertaining to a certain situation? So, so your question is: is how do you know what God's will is? Is that kind of uh, yeah. the gist of it? Okay. Well, um, there's a few there's a few things that you like principles that you want to put into practice to, to learn what the will of God is. Um, and You know, really, the best way to, to describe discerning God's will, I would say, is to be led by the Spirit. And we can talk a little bit about what that means. But there's a few places in the Bible that say, this is the will of God for you. Um, and so those are the places that I would start. And you can even just go and, you know, open up a Bible application on the internet and search for, this is God's will for you. Um, okay. And, and those are things that are very clear 
um, that this is what God wants for you. Okay, so they're, they're, they're a little bit general, but they're very clear. So I always think if you're wanting to know what God's will is, the best way to do that is to start with looking at what the Bible clearly says God's will is for us, you know? Okay. Um, so so that that's the first thing. You know, one of them we actually looked at at our church yesterday in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 16 through 18. And I'll just share that with you right now. It says okay. to re- rejoice always, um, pray without ceasing, and then in everything give thanks for this is God's will for you. Um, now in that it's like, okay, so we're supposed to take joy. We're supposed to be in prayer. We're supposed to be thankful to the Lord. So those are some kind of clear things. Um, right. an, another one is First Thessalonians chapter four, where it says it's God's will that you should be sanctified, which means that that we are growing closer to Him, that we're leaving our sin behind and becoming more like Him. Um, and there's quite a few of these. So, so what I would say is, if you go and open up a Bible application on the internet, and you can just search for what is God's will, you know, or God's will for okay. me. And, it, and it'll bring up Bible verses that talk about that. So that's the best place to start. But okay, then I will. Th- those are just a little bit general. That's so, so I'd say those are great places to start. And then you can say, man, am I doing these things? Because um, it, it, when we're looking to discern what God would have us do, you know, what God's will is for us in our life or whatever it may be, we want to make sure that we're doing the things that we know are his will, before we try to discern if there's something that isn't so clear, you know? Yeah. Um, so if you take those scriptures that you find and then you line your life up with them and you say, well, am I rejoicing or am I praying as much as I should be? Am I studying the Bible? Am I giving thanks? Uh, am I being sanctified? Those things, you kind of line yourself up with those and then you okay. say, well, the best place to start for my, for discerning God's will is to start with these things. And then once I, once I realize that I'm doing those things, then I can kind of start to g- gather some insight uh, on other matters in my life. So um, that's kind of like a general picture. So if you just kind of like in that spot of, Lord, what is your will for my life? That's the best place to start. But okay. if you're looking for direction in something specific, is there like a specific situation that you're kind of looking for an answer yes, in? Sir. It's a difficult situation. And I have the perfect solution, and I told God about it, and He um, apparently has different plans. I mean, in my own mind, there is not another solution, and and and, and I, you know, I have told Him, I, I this is this is the only thing that I can see that makes sense to me, and He is saying no, and I just don't understand. Okay. Um, and I mean, if you're not comfortable, you don't have to share the whole the whole situation with us online. But may, is there a little bit of? A, a- there is. I um, I talked to Pastor Taylor uh, a while back, and he's so precious and gave me some insight. And I wanted to see what you thought. Um, my grandson was taken from me and placed with the other side of the family, and. Um, the other side of the family is they're they're very anti-God. They're godless. Um, he's not allowed to mention the J word. He's not allowed to pray. Um, and with me, you know, I had custody for a while. He's four. Um, he he just we just share the Lord so much, and he loves him so much. And. God allowed him to go to a family that is gives no thought to God at all, and it 
I don't get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been trying to figure it out, and, you know, it maybe. I don't know. I just, I just can't. I don't understand. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, that that's a tough situation for sure. And so, th- these, this is his other grandparents that he's with. Yes. Okay, and they, um, they have custody of him now. Uh, for six months, right? Oh, okay, for six months they have custody of him. They do. Mm-hmm. And then what happens at the end of the six months? Then there's an evaluation to see, I guess the judge is just going to see how well the parents have been doing and um, could even move to a permanent custody between me or the other grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have any custody at all right now? Uh, No, but I did for, I probably had custody more than anybody since he's been born. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And he'll he'll get sent back to the parents and they'll make the same mistakes that gets them taken away. Yeah. And and so it's already been a, a road of just in and out of the system for him. Yeah. And, yeah. Um and I'm so willing to just to to do this to take him and to you know, lead him to the Lord and, and share the Lord with him and, and he's just so precious. And I was just so shocked when he didn't get to stay with me. Yeah. Because um, I had him when the judge decided to, and the only reason they decided for him to go to the other side is because they're in the mountains and the mom lives there and they wanted the baby to be close to the mom. Okay. And so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's hard. That's really hard. I, I understand that. Um, so, I mean, I, I think really, and I know this sounds, this sounds oversimplified, but I really think it, at, at this point, the very best thing you can do is pray, just really okay. pr- pray over this whole situation. And I know that doesn't feel like you're doing much, but the reality is, as it says in James, you know, the, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, which means that, that, that prayer actually accomplishes more than we can do in our own strength. Um, and it, it does, it works. Prayer works. And so right. I would, if I were you, I mean, we talked about praying without ceasing before. I would just be bringing yeah. that before the Lord every opportunity you can. And I'm sure you are on some level. But, I um, am. But really, maybe. really pray. And maybe, you know, maybe, right. maybe you get a couple friends that be willing to commit to praying with you. And maybe you guys get together once a week and pray. Um, okay. or something like that. That's the best and most important thing you can do in okay. the midst of this. So pray for him. Pray, honestly, pray that you would get him. You know, I, I know that feels selfish. but it, it does, but I still pray for that. Yeah, I know it feels selfish, but the, 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 the other family not being believers, you want him to be in a spot where he's going to hear the gospel. And so pray right. that he would be in your in your care. You know, that's, that's a godly prayer in this situation. Right. Um, and then, you know, pray that even in spite of the situation that he's in with these non-believers, that, that God would really just guard him and take care of him and right. reveal the truth to him. Um, and, you know, I, I think you could pray that, that at the end of the six months that, that they would grant you custody for some reason or, okay. or you know, whatever that would be. Yeah. Um, but, but I think you, the biggest concern is really just that he would be in a spot where he could right. hear the truth. Yeah, right. Um, 
So do you think, I mean, this has to be God's will that he went away, right? I mean, are there coincidences in our lives as believers? Is this God's will for whatever unknown reason? So when we look at things like this, I mean, we can look at it from different perspectives. You know, from from one person's perspective, this is God's will. From the other person's perspective, this is something that God is going to work good through. And so, uh, you know, when it comes to yes, God has allowed this to happen. Um, he he, in his I guess you could call it his permissive will. He's allowed this situation to happen. I I, I hesitate on going to the point of saying God has intentionally caused this to happen that He would go to these people, but but He has allowed it to happen. And as he's allowed it to happen, we know, as it says in Romans eight twenty eight, that he works all things together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his good purpose. He's going to take this situation and he's going to work it for good. Um, so in a sense, it is his will, definitely. Right. Okay, I, that's what I thought. And, I, and that's a hard one because I've been angry with God and, and yeah. I've had to really, you know, get on my face and tell my father I'm sorry because... I've been so angry in, yeah, in my not understanding. But you know, where am I going to run to? Yeah, and you know, and, and I, I understand that. And you know, God understands that too. I mean, we look through the Psalms, and I think part of the reason we were given the Psalms and the Scriptures is because, uh, because God knows that sometimes we're going to be angry, and there's times when David's sitting there in the Psalms and he's writing. Lord, where are you? You know, yeah. uh, night after night, I'm filling my couch with tears. Where? Why don't you answer me? You know, and so God understands that, and He's compassionate towards you in that. Um, but I think the thing that you can take hope in is that, regardless of this situation, God is going to bring good through it. And, and so, my hope, and of course your hope, is that 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 little boy would be able to come and stay with you. But if that's not what happens, we know that God's going to bring good, and ultimately, God loves that little boy even more than you do. You know, right? I know. And so, just remembering that and keeping that in mind that God is going to do whatever is necessary to redeem him. You know, just that he went he went so far as going to the cross. There's nothing he's going to let get in the way now. You know. Okay. Right. So, but but what you can do is you can you can you can make that fight of prayer for him you know just be a be a prayer warrior and really pray for that situation pray over him and then you know when there's opportunity to step in to the court system and say hey i would love to take care of him i'm here i'm available do that you know whatever means you can be involved and really step in and 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 make yourself available in that i would absolutely absolutely do that um, yep. And, you know, maybe that means, maybe, I mean, uh, this is a kind of a crazy idea, but maybe that means moving to the mountains to be closer so that you have the opportunity. Um, or, you know, if that's if that's a possibility. Or maybe it means, you know, when the court date comes up and maybe they do give the custody back to the parents, maybe you offer to the parents and say, hey, I'll take care of them three days a week or whatever it may be, you know. Um, just whatever way you can get in there would be great. But but the biggest thing, and I know it doesn't seem like it, but the biggest thing you can do is really pray for that boy. Okay, I will. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, let's let's take the, let's take a second and pray for him right now. Oh, thank you. What's his name? Michael. Michael. Okay. Yeah. 
Lord, we just come before you and we lift up Michael to you, Lord, just that sweet little boy. And I thank you for his grandma's heart for him, Lord. I thank you for the fact that she cares about him, Lord, with your heart, that she cares that he would be saved, that he would know you, that he would walk with you. And so, Lord, we just pray um, over this whole situation. We know that you're going to bring good through it, Lord, but we pray even in the midst of the situation that it is right now, Lord, that you would just go and you would protect that little boy, that you'd have your arms around him, that you'd keep him safe, that you would reveal yourself to him powerfully, even though he's in a godless home right now, Lord. And I pray for favor in the court system, Lord. Um, I pray that you would just, that you would just work powerfully, Lord, to give his, his grandma um, custody, Lord, that you would uh, help her to be able to take care of him, to love him, just to show show him your love, Lord. And uh, in the midst of this, Lord, we just ask f- for just miracles, Lord. We ask for, for your intervention in this situation. And I pray for Marla. I pray that you would just bring her peace right now, Lord, that you would just bring her that peace that passes understanding, that as she comes and rather than dwelling in that place of anxiety, but actually presenting her request to you, Lord, that she'd be able to take that peace that passes understanding for you, that she'd exchange those fears for your peace and your joy in her heart. And so we just, uh, we lift this up to you right now, and we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you for calling. And uh, okay. I, I know many of our callers today, I mean, our listeners today are going to be praying with you for your, for oh, Michael. that's so, so awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay, God right. bless. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for your call. All right, you are listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Chapel, Vale Valley. I am taking your calls and your questions today. And uh, we've got two full lines, one open line. You can call us today with your questions at 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897. And uh, we're coming up on the break here for just a second. So if you're one of our our people on the line right now, hold on just for a second. I want to make sure we get to you. So we're going to wait till after the break for our callers that are on the line right now. Um, Take a quick look at the text line here. And um, one person has texted in and asked, how can I battle a sexual addiction? How can I battle a sexual addiction? And so um, uh, this is a great question. And, you know, the the way to battle any addiction, really, the the best way is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know that sounds a little bit, um, a, a little bit like a pat answer, like, like a, like a, Christianese answer, but it's it's the truth because you cannot do it in your own strength. You will fail uh, when you try to do it in your own strength. And so the way to do that is to bring it before the Lord and rest in the freedom that he's bought for you on the cross, to bring it before him and to submit it to him and say, hey, Lord, I, I can't do this anymore. I give up. I give it over to you and I'm asking you to take it. I'm asking you to remove it from me. And so bring it to him, let him take it, and then start to just trust and rest in that freedom that he's bought for you. And uh, we, you'll see that freedom that kind of comes. And that Romans 7 and Romans 8 that I shared earlier for the person that texted earlier is a great place to start. When you're there in Romans 7, you feel that, that place of addiction. I can't stop. I can't break free. But then in Romans 8, you start to see that the freedom that comes 
um, through resting and trusting in Christ, that you no longer are obligated to your flesh. I'm not saying it's going to be an overnight victory and everything's going to go away, but it's going to be good and God's going to work powerfully through it. Uh, another great thing to do is just to get some help, some other believers that can come and support you in the midst of that and bring you um, just a- accountability um, and some some people that y- that you can talk to about it and just say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. I, I need freedom from it. Um, bringing it out in the open definitely brings a, a level of freedom that you might not experience um, otherwise. But the only way you can do it is with the strength of the Lord. I myself have addiction in my past, uh, and it, I, I tried many different things to break free of it, and the only thing that worked was the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life, the, the freedom that comes from the Lord, just His filling me up, His breaking those chains, realizing they were already gone, and resting in Him. And so I uh, just encourage you to, to go and read that. Read Romans 7 read Romans 8, and then maybe after Romans 8, read Romans chapter 6, if that's you. And just uh, as you open that up, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through that. All right, stick around. We'll be back shortly after the break. Uh, For Calvary Live, you can call us at 303-690-3000 or text 720-336-0897. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back. You're listening to Calvary Live, the radio call-in show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, uh, your questions about God, about Jesus, um, about what it means to be a Christian, about how we live our life, about uh, cults, anything you can think of, we'd love to talk with you about those things. Also, would love to pray for you with anything that you may have going on in your life. I uh, would love to pray. So, uh, you can call us today at 303 690 3000 or you can text 720 Once again, you can call 303 690 3000 or text 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. My name is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Chapel Vale Valley up in the Vale area. And uh, if you're ever up this way, we'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. You can find out more information on our website at ccvv.org. We have a services Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. So uh, if you ever come up to go skiing, it's a great way to skip the traffic on the way down the hill. Stay for our Sunday night service and you'll have clear roads on the way back down. So uh, today we have a couple callers on the line. And so I would like to go uh, to Geo on line three. Geo. Welcome to the program. Gio, are you still with us? Yes, sir. How are you doing? Not bad. Yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I was calling for a question. I was kind of having a conversation with a coworker today. And yeah. He was like, well, um, she's like, oh, I had my issues with my old church. And I don't know. And I was like, well, I don't know how, what your old church was like. She's like, well, I think me and you might have a difference of opinions. She's like, I believe in an eternal salvation. So what I figured she was talking about is once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I was I was just thinking of, of just verses to, to give to her because I mean, immediately I went to like 
Hebrews 10, um, 26 to 31. And then I also thought of uh, Romans 11. And I guess I was just trying to get more of a, a take on that. Uh, so uh, just a, a take on, you know, whether once you're saved, you are always saved. Is that the question? Yeah, because I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say I necessarily believe that. Like, I believe that Jesus is true when he says, those who are mine, no one can take them out of my hand. Mm-hmm. But I think that while in this life, we can never truly tell. So some people will seem as if they're saved, but they they were never truly saved, I guess would be my take. Yeah. But um, I don't know. That's interesting looking at Hebrews 10. Yeah. You know, so there there are these scriptures that, are, that, that come across as very stern warnings that we see in the scripture. And, you know... Um, this issue is one of those that that we have a very limited perspective and we see things in a linear fashion we see them on a timeline we see them as the beginning of our life and the end of our life where the lord has a very different perspective than we do he's outside of time time and space are creations of his so he's not bound by those things and so when god looks at salvation i mean it talks about jesus as being slain from the foundation of the world uh which obviously from a timeline perspective the cross didn't happen before the world was created right so god looks at this in a very different way than we do and so so when we understand the idea of salvation and eternal salvation and what that looks like uh we have to try to not put it in our own box of understanding that that kind of limited framework that we have but the reality is that the scripture says you know no one can snatch them out of my hand and um, that if you ha- believe in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life, which means life that goes on forever. Now, here's the here's the kind of the defining point, though. Uh, I believe once you are truly saved, yes, you are always saved. You cannot be unsaved somehow. You know, it's it's not something that where you just you were saved and then you're not saved. The question is whether that person was ever truly saved in the first place. And, uh, you know, John says they went out from us because they were not of us. If they were of us, they would have remained with us, but it shows that they were not of us because they went out from us, you know? Um, and so there's this thing where we may, and I, I know of several people that, um, that I've thought were solid believers that eventually walked away from the Lord and, you know, whether they, are in a spot where they're just in a this kind of in-between stage where they're just not really trusting in the Lord right now, but they're still there somewhere deep down, or whether they've never were a believer before. I don't really know, um, but I know what I see, and what I saw was it looked like they were a believer, and now it looks like they're not. Um, so fr- from that perspective, it looks like they lost their salvation, but if... For somehow they're not saved. The, the reality is that they never were because it's an eternal gift. It's a free gift of life that comes to us um, and it's, it's eternal life. I mean, it, it, the very definition of our salvation is that we're saved, we're regenerated. You'd have to somehow be unregenerated um, to lose that salvation, you know? Um, yeah. It also says, you know, Romans 8, uh, in you know verse 30 it says those he predestined he also called those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified and so there's a sense in which each of us as believers are already glorified you know in the presence of the lord it, it says in ephesians that you know we're currently seated in the heavenly places with christ jesus as believers and so 
to, to be unsaved somehow, you know, after being saved, we'd have to be like kicked out of heaven in a sense. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so, so I, I don't think that a person can really lose their salvation in that sense. Um, yeah. But what, what scriptures like, you know, Hebrews chapter six and Hebrews chapter 10, and there's several other scriptures too. What they do is they, they call out those people who may think that they're saved, who yeah. may claim to be a Christian, but have never really placed their trust in the work of Jesus Christ to be saved. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think the reality is it's not saying a prayer that saves you. It's not responding to an altar call that saves you. Um, what it is, is it's, it's, it's a, a living faith in the, the God of all creation who sacrificed himself for us on the cross. And um, if we're not truly trusting and believing in him and putting our faith in him, then no, we're not saved, you know? Um, so we have moments of doubt. You know, it says if we're, you know, if we're faithless, he remains faithful. Um, but the reality is to, to be in that place of denying God, I think you must have never had that relationship with him in the first place. Um, that's, kind of, that's kind of my perspective on that. Yeah, and then the other thing I, I was uh, thinking of, because I think the way she was playing on it is kind of like you said, um, and I know some people try to say, like, as Christians, we don't judge, but as I look at Scripture, I, I find that kind of faulty, because it's like Jesus says, judge with righteous judgment. Absolutely. Um, and then, uh, 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 what, spiritual man judges all things. Yeah. Um, so looking at that, and I guess I was kind of challenging her in that, like, okay, some people profess Christianity, but as you look at the fruits, it's like, okay, man, you're not saved. And I mean, I'm, I'm always challenged because even I've seen uh, stuff with a, a street preacher more recently. And just to see his humility and like people would say he's hateful, but he, um, one of the scriptures he quotes is First uh, Corinthians, I mean, not Corinthians, sorry, Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, I think, where it says, We are to warn every man of the judgment. Um, so I guess just going in that still not allowing people to falsely believe they're secure in a salvation that isn't true, that's not bearing fruit. Right. Um, so I don't know. I guess I was just yeah. trying to go forth with that with her. Yeah, and I would agree with you in that. I, I think that, that there are there are many, I mean, here's kind of the analogy that, that, I, that I give to it. You know, oftentimes people think that they're Christians or they're saved because they belong to a church yeah. or because they have kind of a superficial faith in God on some level but the reality is like if I go stand in a garage it doesn't make me a car you know <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it, it doesn't that doesn't change me um, yeah. it's the work of God regenerating my soul that makes me a Christian that makes me saved and so that requires my faith and complete dependence upon the work of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross so um, I, I think that there are many people who think that they're believers and maybe aren't, um, and it's a sad thing. And so I, I think that's why Paul, you know, Paul says we're warning every man. Mm -hmm. you know, we want to warn every man so that they know and they have the opportunity to, to respond. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think that salvation is something that can be lost in the sense that you, you, you know, like you left it somewhere and you dropped your hat and it's gone. Yeah. 
Um, but I do think that there are people who may think that they're saved that aren't. You know, Jesus warned about that. He said, there will be many who say to me, Lord, Lord, and I'll say to them, you know, th- these, the people that he describes are actually doing crazy stuff. I mean, they're, they're casting out demons, they're performing miracles, they're doing these things, and they're saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do many wonders in your name? And Jesus responds to them and says, depart from me. And what does he say? He says, I never knew you. Yeah. And if you look at the wording there, he says, I never knew you. It's not that I knew you at one point and you walked away from me. It's that I, I just never knew you. It doesn't matter how many miracles you did or the great works that you did in my name. It's that I never knew you. You never put your trust in me. You never had a relationship with me. Um, and that, that's, what's, that's what brings us that salvation is that, that faith in and relationship with Jesus Christ. So, um, and that is evidenced by fruit in our lives. And, you know, of course, we're not to go around being renegade fruit inspectors telling people whether they're saved or not. But, but we are to, uh, to, as you said, judge with righteous judgment. And if, if people are very clearly exhibiting works that are not fruit of salvation, then we're, we're called to call them out on it lovingly, you know? Yeah. So... Okay. Yeah, I guess just to end it off, I guess uh, I just ask you to pray for um, wisdom and humility always, um, just so I can always answer when people come with questions like this, to really give them God's wisdom and not just be, I don't know, in a place to always be right, but to be humble and, and wise in God's Word. Yes, absolutely. Let's definitely, let's definitely pray about that. All right, Lord, we just come together before you, Lord, and um, I thank you for Gio and his heart just to, to, uh, to know the truth, Lord, and to share the truth. And really, Lord, we just want to share your heart. Your desire is that all men would be saved and come to knowledge of the truth that would come to repentance, Lord. And so um, pray just for uh, all of us who, who are following you, Lord, that we would have that wisdom, that we'd have that humility um, to not to beat people over the head with the scriptures, but to lovingly share the truth, Lord, to speak the truth in love uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with those that are not believers, Lord. And so um, I just pray for Gio. I pray that you would give him that discernment, that wisdom, and that sense of love, Lord, that he would be able to, to be humble and um, trusting you in those situations. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your call. All right, you are listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Chapel Vale Valley taking your calls and your questions today. Uh, you can call us at 303-690-3000 or you can text 720-336-0897. Once again, that number is 303-690-3000 or you can text 720-336-0897. We've got two open lines. would love to pray for you. would love to answer any questions you may have. And I'd like to go to John on line one. John, welcome to the program. Pastor Nate, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. How are you doing, John? Good. Thank you so much for taking my call. Absolutely. Uh, say, uh, I had the opportunity this morning for God to put somebody in my path that's a uh, Orthodox Christian, okay. and we got to talking about uh, Revelation and end times, and I was always under the impression that uh, Jesus' uh, thousand-year uh, millennial reign is not here yet, 
But I've talked to this uh, man this morning, and I also have another friend that I consider quite wise on Scripture that also uh, believes that we are in the Church's thousand-year millennial reign right now. And mm-hmm. I was just hoping you could help me out with some clarification on on that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, here's here's the thing. There are many different perspectives on what's called eschatology. It's a big word, but it just means end times theology is what it is, uh, eschatology. So at, at Calvary Chapel, we are we fall into the camp of believers who believe in a pre-millennial, uh, pre-tribulational eschatology. Um, and so what that means is that we believe that the millennial reign of Jesus Christ has not taken place yet. Uh, we also believe in a pre-tribulational rapture of the church. Uh, that, that we're going to be caught up with the Lord before the Great Tribulation takes place. And so just to give you a little bit of an overview of that, what that looks like chronologically is that right now we're in what's called the church age. And as we're in this church age, we are living in, uh, and following the Lord. And then at some point in the future, the church is going to be raptured, is going to be caught up to the Lord in the air. Uh, we see this in many places in scripture. Uh, I'm not going to really go into the rapture too much because that's not what we're talking about right now. But then after the rapture takes place, um, there will be this seven-year tribulation, what's called the Great Tribulation that we read about in Revelation and also in Daniel uh, chapter 9. And it talks about those seven years. And then at the end of those seven years is what what takes place at that point is the millennial reign of Christ, uh, wherein those who are believers today will be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ on a perfect, perfected earth, essentially, um, that will be without sin. And so that's kind of where the millennium comes in. Um, you're tracking with me to that point? Absolutely. That's what I've always understood, and that's what I've always been in taught and what I've read, and that's kind of the way I go with it. Yeah, uh, but it's just I have and this <laughs> couple of people now, and and you know have told me this, and that and then they they talk about the rapture of uh, as we you know they don't recognize that as part of uh, what's going to happen, right? You know, and so there, there's a couple different groups that believe a, a little bit differently in, in regards to eschatology, and so here's here's the great thing about this is when we're talking about eschatology, we are not talking about salvational issues, and so I have some great exactly. I have some great friends that are post-millennialists. I have great friends that are amillennialists. I know people that believe the, the wide spectrum. Um, I disagree with them, and that's okay, uh, because this is not a salvation issue. Um, yeah. But but I think that it is something that we're to understand. And I think the best place to really grasp this concept of the way that things play out is really in Daniel. You got to start in the Old Testament and work your way forward to get the whole story. And so we see in Daniel and in Ezekiel, uh, this picture that's laid out for us of what's going to happen in the end times. And, um, you know, it's something where Jesus is going to reign over king of Israel, as well as all of the nations of the world that the the millennial, the millennium is. Um, We see this in Isaiah chapter two, Isaiah 42. Uh, And what happens is some of these other groups take this type of language and rather than interpreting it as being what it says, they say that it's figurative language. And so um, exactly, and that's exactly what I ta- was talking to him about this morning when I said the thousand-year reign. I said, so it's been way over a thousand years. 
and he said they were just talking basically, uh, you know, as a long period of time and not putting it as exactly a thousand years. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's not what it says. It's yeah. A thousand, doesn't it say a thousand years? I mean, yeah, and that's that's the problem. I mean, there are other terms that would be used in both languages to refer to a long period of time. You'd say ages and ages, or you'd say eons and eons. Right. Uh, rather than saying a, a thousand years that's a very specific descriptive term that's used and so the claim that we're in the thousand year reign right now is it, just wrong for so many reasons and, and again it's not a salvational issue and, and i've had good discussions with friends about this that disagree with me but the reality is i mean do we see jesus ruling as king over israel and all of the nations of the world right now yeah and that's that's a, one of the issues i have and that's why i called you know, yeah. kind of get more clarification. Yeah, we don't, and of course, we know that he's living. You know, he's he's at the right hand of the Father. There's, there, he's in he's in the place of authority, and in a very real sense, he is ruling over over creation, but not in the sense that it's a real physical rule that's taking place. Uh, the earth hasn't been perfective. You know, not everyone's worshiping God. You know, as you see in Isaiah chapter two, that there's going to be there's going to be worship that's taking place. You know, as people come together, and so um, it's something that is is not. I, I don't see any valid fulfillment of the thousand year reign taking place right now. Um, right. Personally, you know. Right. Uh, and, the purpose of that of that thousand year reign is to fulfill the promises that God made to the world that that really can't be fulfilled while Satan is free, and humans have political authority. So, so some of these things are like they're things that have to be fulfilled throughout, you know, the scriptures, and so it, it has to be this future time frame that we're looking at. Um, and you know, I, I think that some people uh, have a little bit of a different perspective on it. It's not so much about the thousand years. They take their eschatology and say that the, the events in, in Revelation happened um, in the the New Testament times. But the reality is, when you look at that and you try to line those up, it doesn't really fit either. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm having problems with it. And I, and I realize, I mean, it has no, uh, you know, anything to do with my spiritual walk with Christ. It's just, you know, the basic knowledge that I would you know, love to know because I just love studying about scripture and stuff. Yeah. So. Well, I'll give you a great research resource. Um, if you go to gotquestions.org, gotquestions.org, uh, they have some great articles on the thousand year reign. They have great articles on the rapture, on um, the, the tribulation. Um, I'm not the biggest eschatology buff, although I mean, I study it because I, it's important to know, but I, I, I'm not the, the guy to know the ins and outs of it as much as some of the some of the stuff that they have on there. So they're a really great resource for that. Uh, also, okay. Joel Rosenberg has some great resources as well. So so I'd look into those and uh, you can get some more information there. But, but I'd say I, I would respectfully disagree with your friends there. So. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and um, I listen to all you guys all the time, and you're such a great blessing to everybody, and I'm so thankful for you guys. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you so much for that. That's uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Have, have a great, great day, day, John. Yeah, you too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. You are listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris taking your calls today. You can call us at 303-690-3000 or text 720-336-0897. And uh, I'd like to go to Dave on line three. Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going, Pastor Nate? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Dave? I'm blessed. 
say I was calling with a question today about the hyper grace movement, uh, specifically in terms of somebody I recently encountered who uh, essentially is stating based on this theology that repentance is only required once a lifetime, and that that repentance then begets grace, which covers any and all sin that we might ever commit in our lives. And that just sounds like a bunch of bad theology to me. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a doctrine, you know, it, it's called, it's called, there's a, there's a doctrine that's called hyper grace. And it has this idea of really, it, it's kind of hard to nail down, to be honest, the reality of what they teach. But the idea is that everything is already forgiven. And so we don't really need to bring our sin before the Lord. We don't need to come before the Lord and bring, you know, confess our sin. Uh, we don't need to turn from our sin that's forgiven. And the problem that I really have with this, and, and you know, I mean, like he died once for all of our sins. So, so there's a sense in which what they're saying is true. Jesus' sacrifice was only made once for all. Um, but the reality is that w- we are called to repent we are called to turn from our sin over and over again. We are called to confess our sin um, over and over and over again in Scripture. And so, kind of this this concept of you know this this hyper grace concept really leads to this place of well, it's okay if I just go and sin, you know. Um, and that's the problem. That's really my, my big problem with this is because it, it doesn't emphasize growth in holiness towards the Lord, which is the very core of sanctification, is growing in holiness towards God. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know exactly what this person that you were talking to, what what correlation they took it to and where that led from there but um, it, it's something that emphasizes the grace of God to the exclusion of the holiness of God to the exclusion of our sanctification to the exclusion of the power of the Holy Spirit and it really actually misses what grace really is because grace isn't just forgiveness uh, it's so much more than that and so um, I, I don't know if that sheds any light on that for you but it's actually kind of a movement of teaching um, did he say anything else to you that kind of shed a little bit more light on kind of where he was going with that? Oh, uh, yeah. He uh, mentioned that he was going to be getting me a what he was talking about. And unfortunately, I uh, was paying so little attention to what he had, had to say at that point of the conversation. I missed the title of the book. But yeah. I really was uh, unable to get a whole lot of scriptural truth out of him to support his argument other than the verse that says my grace is sufficient for you and my power is perfected in weakness mm-hmm. and he's saying that you know we're weak when we come to that point of repentance and confession but I'm also kind of seeing this as perhaps a suppression of the promised Holy Spirit who is promised to counsel and help us and come alongside and help convict us of sin when we do right. wrong and to point that out so that we have the conscience on our side to confess and repent. And I'm yeah. also thinking, whereas I might have a sin struggle with one item now, perhaps 10 years from now, I have an entirely different and new sin struggle then. 
right. that I need to confess and repent about because that was totally unknown and unfamiliar to me uh, now, but 10 years down the road, that's going to be a big problem for me in my life. And that was something I was trying to articulate to him, and he's like, don't worry about it. You know, Jesus has it covered. And I understand yeah. from a forgiveness standpoint, yeah, that's it's one true. for all. Yeah. But Jesus being divine, being sinless, being perfect, is the only one who has the authority to say, once for all, we right. being sinners, imperfect, in need of salvation, don't boast that kind of authority. Am I on the right track for that? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I mean, the, here's here's kind of the problem with it. It's 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 a it's, a, it's a it's an example of mixing truth with error. And so the truth is that Jesus has forgiven us. If you've placed your faith in him, you are saved. I, I talked about kind of this idea of whether we're saved eternally, whether we're once saved, always saved, you know, before. Um, and, and the reality is like, we are forgiven, we're saved, we're cleansed from all of our sin, but we're still commanded, you know, James five sixteen says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Or even First John chapter one verse nine, you know, says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Now, this this doesn't mean that you're not forgiven if you don't confess your sin, but what it does mean is that we are called to repent from our sin and bring it before the Lord and mourn over our sin so that we can receive healing. Really, that the Holy Spirit comes and and fills us up and empowers us to leave that behind. Um, and so. You know, absolutely, we are saved by grace, not by our works. It's by God's grace that, you know, it's given to us free. It's great that, that that's the case, but I think that it neglects the power that's available to believers through the Holy Spirit to, to, to actually practically free us from a lot of that that sin and struggle that we face. Um, and the result is that we live struggling and down on ourselves. Um, and that's not really where the Lord wants us to be. So... I hope that clarifies well, it a little bit. I appreciate your input on the matter, and uh, thank you very much for your time. Have a great day, and God bless. God bless you. Thank you for your call. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, you've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris. I've been taking your calls and your questions today. I'm here from Calvary Chapel, Vale Valley, in the beautiful mountains of Colorado. And I uh, would love to have you join us again next Monday. We also have Pastor Jeff Figs up tomorrow at 4 uh, tune in again tomorrow afternoon. And if we didn't get to your questions, your text questions today, maybe try them again tomorrow and maybe they can get to those. Hope you have a great day. God bless. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.